Hi, this is Kara Swisher, and I want to talk to you about my new podcast for The New York Times called Sway. If you want to know what people who hold power in our world are really all about, you need to hear how they answer the tough questions. And that is my specialty. And although it might get messy, as it always does, it's also going to be really fun. You can get Sway wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are available Mondays and Thursdays. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, Site Visibility, a little bit of shameless self-promotion for them because they've just released their 2020 PPC Automation Guide. And this guide is completely free to download and it's going to help you to get started with each of the new automation settings within Google Ads. So this includes smart bidding, responsive ad testing, dynamic search ads and more. The best way to accelerate your PPC growth in 2020 is to start planning today. So download your guide for free at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC hyphen automation hyphen guide. I'll say that again. Bitsly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash P-P-C dash automation dash guide. Now, today I'm joined by Adam Lundquist, founder at Nerds Do It Better. Adam, hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're uh, you're in Barcelona today, aren't you? Yep. I was living in London for the past couple of years and uh, now I'm in Barcelona. Same number of top hats and monocles, just very similar places. <laughs> Right, tops out. I bet they're having a carnival today, aren't they? They are. They're they're definitely having a carnival. All sorts of puppets and stuff around. Um, I mean, I like it. Barcelona is a cool spot. Yeah, it sounds nice. I must go again. Actually, it's been a while. So, um, right, let's start off in the usual way. Tell us a little, little bit about yourself, and also tell us a bit about Nerds Do It Better. Sure. So, um, originally, I wanted to be uh, on the radio. This is how it all came to be. Nerds Do It Better is a internet advertising company that I founded a couple of years ago. Um, and the whole reason I got into this is I originally wanted to be on the radio and I actually got it. I was on the radio. I had my own show for a couple of years, maybe six or seven. And around that time, YouTube just started getting big. Now, uh, have you heard of this site, YouTube? I've never heard. And of course I've heard of YouTube. I love <laughs> YouTube. I use it as my, YouTube is my new television. Yeah, same here. And around that time, YouTube was starting to get big. And our owner was like, uh, the owner of the radio station said, you know, we don't want to do anything on the internet. We were not so sure it's going to work. And I was like, I'm going to do something on the internet. And there's not really too much you can do about it. So I went and I filmed a video with this American basketball star called Sam Cassell. Or was his name was Sam Cassell. And I basically kind of asked him a whole bunch of rude questions. At the time, I was very inspired by uh, Stuttering John, who's on the American program called Howard Stern, um, kind of like Ali G, I guess, back in the day. And I posted it online, and it went extremely viral. Uh, it was all over the place. It was Sports Illustrated's number seven viral video of all time. It was on a Best Damn Sports Show, MTV, VH1, all kinds of stuff like that. Mm. And I started seeing the power of the internet versus the power of traditional media, because I, I thought I would do traditional media, like just as a job, like that's kind of what I thought I would do. Um, and I did. For, I mean, I had the radio show. I wrote for a couple of newspapers, wrote for some magazines, had a couple of TV spots. And I started just seeing that kind of slipping away as useful. The, the revenue for media all comes from advertising. 
So your favorite radio show, I mean, except, I guess, for BBC, which is government-sponsored, but generally radio shows are all sponsored by ads. And I started seeing, even in our our somewhat weekly meetings, that our revenue was going down despite the fact that our ratings were going up. It just didn't make any sense. But then I started learning that the internet is actually where most of the ad revenue is going. And it it was early on. I mean, like, we're talking like MySpace at this point. Mm. But it... I started seeing that and I really started pushing for it and having this YouTube gave me a platform to say, hey, look, I know what to do on the internet, which at the time was like, that was acceptable. You could just be like, I know how to use internet. And people were like, whoa. So I got <laughs> I got hired to run uh, six radio stations, internet presence. And we really, we um, I don't remember the exact numbers because it, like, it was years ago, but we did something like triple the revenue or something like that because we were able to put ads on their actual site instead of just on the actual air. So instead of just saying, hey, Home Depot, you know, you'll get a 30-second spot because you sell them in 15, 30 seconds. Mm. We say, hey, we'll also give you these banner ads. And the banner ads, you know, they took me like 10 seconds to make. I did it in Photoshop or whatever. Then I decided I didn't want to do anything with traditional media at all. I moved to Romania for a bit. Um, I actually ended up going back to school. And then once I was done with school, I went. Uh, I joined a startup in San Diego, and we became the second fastest growing privately held company in San Diego, which is amazing for mm. San Diego. And we took a couple companies that we were advertising for, and uh, they just kind of blew up in a a very good way. So then at some point, I decided that I was going to start my own company. So I did. I started Nerds Do It Better. And um, I mean, that's been the basic journey. We've been here for, uh, this has got to be like our fifth or sixth year, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going well. I I don't have to work at a Quiznos yet. have to ask, I love the name, Nerds Do It Better. What was the inspiration behind that? You know, I was actually, I was at the other job and I was having a conversation about the value of data in dating. And like, I was like, you know, if you could just know something about, uh, know something about the other person and then the other, like the more you knew about them, the better off you'd be at having a date. Cause my friend was, he was having a pretty unsuccessful run of dating. He was just, he was basically miserable. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, if you imagine like if you went in and like actually knew what to talk about instead of having these awkward, con- he was like Larry David, like just having these awkward conversations. I mean, you know, he's a he's a programmer. He's a pretty awkward guy. And he's like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, we could be a nerd and a nerd could do it better. And then I was like, I'm going to buy that URL right now. <laughs> and I did. And I couldn't believe no one had it. I still, a couple people have tried to buy it from me. I'm like, no way. That's the best URL around. People always remember it. It's a, it's a great name. So the whole area of, um, I suppose, sort of making real world revenue with online digital marketing. Let's start with... Um, perhaps sort of optimizing towards digital marketing versus or or digital marketing based conversion goals versus sort of profit based business goals. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is something that I've realized just from doing this for a while. So we mainly do lead generation, a lot of lawyers, a lot of hormonal therapy doctors, that kind of thing. And a lead isn't just a lead, right? So as an example, on Facebook, you can do what are called lead ads. And there's almost no friction to someone filling out a lead ad. They, they're they on Facebook, they click a button, their email's already in it, and they become a lead. Mm. But they're not really all that valuable. It doesn't mean that somebody is then going to buy a product by any means. I mean, no no lead means they're automatically going to buy a product. My wife hates when I say this, but I always do. I mean, the internet isn't magic. You still have to follow up. But with something like that, it's it's just not the same. You're optimizing towards these goals where you might get, say, 100 conversions at a cost per acquisition 
of a dollar on Facebook, whereas you might get 10 on Google at a cost of $10. Mm. But if those 10 at 10 are the ones who buy, then those are the ones you want to be optimizing for. So I try to uh, go as far in the funnel uh, as I can for my clients. We use, for a reporting platform, we just use a basic Google Sheets. It's super souped up. We use query functions and we use super metrics and all this stuff. Mm. But when it comes down to a basic metric of, are these good leads? So I have my clients actually fill out, they use it as kind of a lightweight CRM where they fill out, is it a good lead or not? And then from there, I can kind of backtrack and see why it is or isn't. Um, as a good example, I have a long distance medical transportation company. Now they were saying, hey, look, these leads aren't all that good. But we knew we were getting them in a much better, much better cost rack position. I would say, well, you know, I look at it, I saw the keywords. And the discrepancy there was what they consider long distance is over 300 miles. Whereas, you know, and it's a variable thing. I might consider long distance 50 or 60 or whatever it was. So what we did with that is we put trips have to be over 300 miles in the ad. This was a Google ad campaign as well as on the landing page. And we also have a like, kind of like a little calculator for how much is your trip going to cost. Mm. And if it's under 300, we basically have them field it out to other people. So we really try to optimize towards those business metrics. Um, like I was telling you before the show, like you can't pay your employees in clicks. And that's like a, a thing that a lot of times when I prospect or talk to people or uh, I get a lot of inbound to people come in, they say, you know, well, how many clicks can you get me? But the answer is like, it doesn't matter. Mm. Like it matters to an extent. It's like a sub revenue goal, I guess I would say. Mm. But I try to th work at this backwards Whereas we look at revenue first. So for me, like I'll even go, and I've done this a couple times, where I do like uh, fake sales calls with people, like not like pretending I'm not me, but they know I'm doing it. Like, because even if I send you qualified leads, if you can't close them, then this is going to be a pretty crappy relationship for both of us, right? Like the client's not going to have a good time. And I'm also going to have a lot of churn. And, and making the actual campaigns is usually the biggest pain in the ass. So once we get it going, it's good to go. But so I would go checking on their sales process. Then the landing page, which is a huge, then the ads. Whereas a lot of people start at the ads and they're like, oh, what if I what if I make it all in capital letters? Probably nothing is, is the real answer. Yeah. You might get an extra click or two, but if you're not then sending them to a really good landing page, and even further, if you're not following up with them or having good sales calls, none of it matters. Interesting, actually, because you mentioned uh, Google Sheets and my, my ears pricked up when you mentioned that because I love, I love Google Sheets as well. Do you think people can get too bogged down sometimes with analysis and specialized tools? I mean, do you prefer to sort of do your own thing on Google Sheets? Yeah. So I try to think of what like the smallest tasks I can do that have the biggest leverage because we have a lot of clients, like not to brag, like we do. And if I'm doing things like really worrying about logos or something along those lines that don't really matter, yeah, then yeah, you get bogged down. And I made this mistake at the beginning, right? I actually wrote an article about this for Search Engine Journal where I had read all these things about conversion optimization, which I think your audience probably knows, but it's like when you test two things to try and get a better outcome. Yeah. And I had read things like Amazon would test the color of a button and get like a million more dollars in a day or, there or something like that. So I was running these conversion tests where I'd change the color of a button and like obviously nothing happened because one, no client I have had or I've ever had will ever have the... Uh, traffic of Amazon. And two, that's not really what matters. So when I, if I'm going to say the best conversion test I ever run, and I run it very consistently, is to change the actual offering. So uh, as an example, you might test running it, a campaign for an ebook versus a consultation. That's a much, much, much better test and much more valid. And you're going to get much more of a 
a difference than, say, changing the color of a button or even changing the call to action of a button. So yeah, I actually run everything through Google Sheets. We do project management in it. We do reporting in it. I would live in a Google Sheet if I could. Like, I love them. <laughs> yeah, I quite like them as well. Yeah, and they work really well. And then all you have to do, you really only have to know like query functions, sum ifs, and a couple, and pivot tables. I mean, yeah. and I thought pivot tables are going to be worse than they are, but you know, once you get the hang of them, they're not so bad. So let's talk about um, data, se- data segmentation, um, campaigns for success, getting clean data. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so that's something that's really, really important. Even if you have your analytics set up correctly, which you know you pretty much need, I think you should have a landing page, even if it's the same landing page for every traffic source. Mm. Now you can't. I mean, you could, I guess, have one for every um, every device. But I think if its traffic source is clean enough. Because if you have muddled data, you can't really do too much with it. One of the biggest things that I've found just generally is the more you can be granular without being ridiculous, the better you're going to be at actually using the data, right? So we all get we all gather data. But if you say you have the data and it says, um, I don't know, you had 10,000 visitors and 5,000 of them converted, which would also be incredible. Mm. But, you know, what are you going to do with that? If you saw that on the display network – they were converting much worse, I mean, which is typical, than the search network, then you could do something with it. So I, as much as you can, try to granularize things because you can actually do something with it. So even to the point where each of our keywords have uh, their own ad group. We call them 1-1 ad groups. So each keyword matches what's called a search query, which Google doesn't tell you that they're not the same thing, but they are most certainly not. Mm. And then... Um, we send them to a landing page, and the landing page has something called dynamic keyword insertion where it gets automatically put in. So as an example, uh, if someone types in divorce lawyer, because I have a bunch of divorce lawyers, their ad is going to say divorce lawyer in the headline, and their landing page will say divorce lawyer in the um, headline of the landing page. Whereas if it says divorce attorney, that will be in the headline, and divorce attorney will be in the landing page as well. So people really – the and like I was surprised about this too – but keeping things simple and clear rather than clever makes a huge difference. So in the radio, you had to be like kind of clever or at least kind of like outrageous. But like you can be as wacky as you want. And what we found over and over, the best performing ads from a click-through rate on AdWords is when you just mirror what the person typed in. And if you look at Google, it's the same thing. If you type in, I don't know, like ebook for landing pages, typically the top three results, even if they're not ads, an organic will say ebook for landing pages because the mirroring effect drives click-through rate. And then we found on landing pages that drives them further into um, into seeing that's the right place for them. So you want to get granular and have that clean, clear data. Because even if you say have, say, 10 keywords in one ad group, you don't really know what's causing what to happen. Yeah. And each keyword actually can match for a whole bunch of search queries. So this is just something I always tell people because you don't, it's not intuitive. But the way Google works is you can have a keyword that says divorce attorney. You can match for cool shows about divorce lawyers. You can match for uh, did Kim Kardashian get divorced, which she didn't. You know, there's a whole bunch of things you can match for. So it's really about getting as granular as possible and then taking that data and doing something with it. So I've even gotten to the point where I'll have a campaign, which is where you set a budget level. That's just one keyword. And I didn't come up with this. This is called the Lynn Rodzinski, I think it's called. Yeah. But then because the cost per acquisition, or in the case of e-commerce, the return on ad spend is so good, we just continue to push up that one keyword. Because if the volume's there, why would I not? And you want to have that real clean data so you can do things like that. 
You mentioned um, about not being too clever, and I was just wondering actually because I, I suspect it's like diminishing returns, isn't it? You can do you can get to a point where you're doing so many more extra bits and bobs, but you're not getting a whole lot of extra benefit from it. How how do you know if you're being too clever? So this is how I know. It's like, could my mom understand it? My mom is not like a tech savvy person, mm. so I've I've had to really like take a good hard look at this myself. Like me and you, we're in the industry, so I can say things like landing pages, conversion rate optimizations, that kind of stuff. Mm. But I have a lot of sales calls. And so like I would talk about things like landing pages and people would be like, Adam, what the hell are you talking about? Mm. And I had to take a step back and be like, oh, they don't know the landing pages. They don't know the difference between a keyword and a search query. And like, why would they, right? Like I actually just had this conversation. One of my big law firms just hired a client why would they teach you marketing at law school? Like when I went to learn marketing and then teach me law, like you wouldn't, like I wouldn't expect someone to be like, hey Adam, tell me about tort reform. Cause I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? But getting it as simple and clear as possible is like an art. I really try to do it with my writing as well. I use that like Hemingway editor app. Mm. And like I realized I initially wrote and it just wasn't very good. So getting clear is way, way, way better than being clever. So um, our landing page says now like get more, I think like lead sales and profit from internet advertising. And which I think is very important is to have a you focused message. But like instead of like a lot of uh, sites will be like, oh, we'll use SEO to analyze and optimize and people, real business owners like what the hell are you talking about? So, Adam, what do you think our audience should be thinking about uh, as they leave the podcast today? What would be a, a key takeaway for them? Yeah, so anyone who wants to do marketing, think about how you can add value to your audience. So, uh, as an example, so what we do is we offer a consultation to people where they come in and they, uh, I look at their account and I show them some ways to improve it, whether they go with us or not. Mm. So if you're thinking about how you can add value, that's really the best marketing. And then all you really have to do is just position, say it in a clear way and find your audience. Like that's the basic structure of it. Like when you, in the same way as like a million diets, but really what it comes down to is do you eat less calories than you put out? Yeah. There's a million ways to do marketing, but the real answer is add value, build trust and get in front of the right audience and do it in baby steps too is a real thing I recommend. Um, and learn the hard way as well. Like if you just go in and be like, hey, uh, I'd like to sell you this. People are like, hey, I'd like to never talk to you again. But if you're like, hey, look, here's the thing I can do that can help you. It's a small thing and start from there and build the trust. That's about the best thing you can do. Yeah, that's a much nicer way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it works better. Yeah. So uh, thanks so much for coming on today, Adam. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about Nerds Do It Better? Sure. So you can uh, go to nerdsdoitbetter.com uh, if you like. I'm on Twitter at Adam Lundquist, which is L-U-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T. Um, and then you can check out the writing. I've been writing a bunch for Search Engine Journal. I wrote for Drift recently, and I got a whole bunch, whole bunch of other big ones coming out down the pike. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on, Adam. And thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes will be in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash IM podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a fab review. That would be great. Um, questions and suggestions. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. We have a, a site visibility group on LinkedIn. On Twitter, we're at site visibility. Um, so that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Adam. All right. Thanks for coming on, Adam. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. <laughs> <laughs>